Hello and welcome to Web of Resonance. I am Teresa Carmody with Elemental Journeys. And I am Ken Runewalker. Uh, welcome to our, we've made it a year mark, and I know we celebrated it last night with our uh, Facebook Live event, which we're doing once a month to do uh, readings for you, our listeners. Um, and that was a lot of fun. So um, I, I'm enjoying those. Those are a lot of fun. They are a lot of fun. It's, uh, it's nice to uh, have the interaction. Um, it's very dynamic and creative. So yes, I enjoy it too. And it was a lovely way to celebrate our year anniversary. Absolutely. It's, um, <laughs> we, we don't get a ton of feedback from you guys. So that's like the one, the one uh, place that I really love. Uh, the one episode that I really love to do because we do get that interaction from you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we had a lot of good questions. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know about you, Kim, but I, I kind of felt like there was uh, a theme last night. There was one question about wanting to know uh, what the near future looks like, but there was, there was a lot of theme of new beginnings and, uh, people feeling like they're in a bit of a holding pattern, uh, which can feel frustrating and like you're stuck. Uh, but the theme to me was kind of like the momentum is building for you to take action in a new way. Uh, I could not agree more. Um, and I, I think it was interesting that we had um, so many uh, requests for just cold readings, because I, I do think that being in that holding pattern is one of those things that we're like, okay, I need some direction. I need some help. Like, it, you know, just anything, uh, because it does feel, uh, you know, it can feel a bit frustrating. I'm actually really glad that you brought that up. Uh, because as you were saying that I started to feel the synergy between how people were feeling and the fact that they asked for cold reading cold readings, I think in a lot of ways are the most exciting, but they can also be the most challenging uh, because what it requires me to do as a practitioner, as a reader is just take a real leap of faith. You know, if you have a question, the question kind of guides me and my empathic ability of searching through the way that I look at it is it's kind of like being on the web and there's so much information that the question is like an intention for a journey. It kind of guides me to where to go on the web for that information. Yep. And with a cold reading, it's like, I don't know what I want to know. Tell me about the whole web. Um, it's like searching on Google, but not typing in anything in the question bar and just hitting search. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, so, I think so it can definitely be more challenging, but, uh, but to me, it can be exciting. I, I think that's, um, you know, I think that's part of, I think that that's wrapped up into that theme of, you know, there seems to be a veil over the near future. People are having a difficult time seeing their way out of uh, a very dark time and a cold reading is very similar. You, the The question doesn't reveal anything that helps you grab on and kind of start to gather information. It's kind of like you just got to jump into the darkness and the unknown and trust. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that um, doing that, it's always interesting to me when people sit down with me in person and or, you know, even virtually and say, and I'll ask them, you know, what, what, you know, do you have a question you want to ask or do you just want to, and they're kind of, well, I don't, I'm like, maybe we can just do a general reading. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Um, and it's really interesting. Usually what, um, what comes forward in that, in those readings and how it then sets the tone for, uh, for what we talk about. Um, Cause usually by the end of the, hour or whatever it's like oh i really i wanted to ask about that but i really am glad we talked about this um yeah so i i i like that I... yeah and how you peer has got to be different so like for me a cold reading i'm not relying on my vision at all 
uh, we like like energetically where I reach when when I do a reading, there's part of me that's kind of reaching. Um, um, like if you have a question, I'm reaching for where's the source of information that answers that question. When it's cold read, uh, I'm not I'm not visually projecting. I'm empathically reaching out for uh, what information would be most useful right now. Yes. And, uh, and that's a very, it's a very different way. And it's a very different way to do it. And it, it like you said before, it does require um, trust on our part uh, as, as the reader and even as a querent, you know, someone asking the question too. Um, so what do you think about setting an intention today for pulling our tools for uh, guidance about uh, navigating, uh, this isn't quite right, uh, but there's something about navigating the dark. There's something about, oh, trust. How, how do we trust in a time when we cannot see? So guidance on navigating during a time when we cannot see. That's not quite right either. Yeah, it feels, it feels like there's something about, um, like if, if I were to add, when we cannot see, I'm going to throw this out there, a light at the end of the tunnel. When we can't see, you know, when we can't right. envision, when we can't, when we don't have a vision for the future or a vision for moving forward, how do we navigate that space? So I just had a thought. Uh -oh. Why don't we do with our tools what we just experienced about cold reads? Why don't we just say, yeah, we're in a time where there's a veil and there's a lot of chaos in that darkness, but there's also a lot of opportunity. And, uh, you know, it, when we are trying to set an intention, we keep stumbling. Maybe what we need to do is ask our tools to give us a cold read. Ooh. Okay. You like that? Yeah, I do. Okay. I think that that feels like it's not leaving any potential out that needs to be, re be found. Be fa yes. And, um, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it, it also, for me, I don't know if you felt it, but, uh, it, it added a, a sense of, um, excitement and fun to it. Yeah. There was something like fresh about it. Like a, like a, like a cool breeze on a hot day. Yeah. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Given that it's cold and rainy here, a warm breeze would be nice, but but I get your meaning. <laughs> it is still windy here, and uh, you and I spoke a little earlier, and before we started recording, I looked outside, and it is just like dust. You just cannot see across the valley, so it's a uh, very, and it's a hot wind, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting uh, uh, pairing too, where you're at and where I'm at. So, well, it's it's very balancing, don't you think? Uh, yeah. Yes. I ha right now I have an abundance of what you need, and you have an abundance of what I need. Exactly. <laughs> and yes, one plus one equals three. Right. All right. So, shall we drum? Uh, uh, and just kind of set the intention of we're asking our tools to give us a cold read. And for anyone who's listening, uh, as Ken picks up his drum and, and plays beautifully for us, if you want to also set your intention that whatever comes through today, uh, may it have something that enriches you and gives you uh, some guidance or uh, fulfills the purpose of why you listen to us. I think that's a great idea. And please don't be driving yeah. while you're listening to this. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, okay. Are you ready? I'm ready.
Wow, that was beautiful. Thank you, Ken. Oh, thank you. I'm not sure what we stirred up, but I feel like I stirred something. Uh, uh, during the whole thing, I was seeing a woodpecker, uh, which uh, I guess is very prominent today. Uh, before we started recording, I was telling Ken that I walked outside to just kind of breathe in the trees. And uh, I don't often see woodpeckers. I know that they're around, but there was one that just... Uh, he saw me and I saw him, <laughs> um, and he moved towards me. And so I usually, I'll make note of that. Um, and just as you were playing, I was like, remember the rhythm, remember the heartbeat of the earth, remember to synchronize when you can't see, open your ears. Yeah. Maybe that's part of navigating what is so unknown right now is, uh, if you can't see what other senses, uh, can you become more sensitive to, because the information is there, you just can't capture it visually. Yes. There's a, there's definitely, um, <laughs> it's like, uh, okay, I'll be cheesy. It's like when you're watching uh, the paranormal ghost shows and they have to really slow down or change the volume to pick up any of their EVPs, electronic voice phenomena. Uh, so it's almost like a, it's it's already there. It's just we have to tune ourselves just a little differently. Um, Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I like to, where you're going. To see that, yeah, because it's almost like, um, you know, you put the head, you can't hear it, like, just by playing it on your phone. You have to put the headphones on. And then you still can't quite get it, so you have to close your eyes and then turn it up just a little bit more, and then you can hear it. And even then, it's still a little quiet, but you get the message. So everything that you're saying, what I'm feeling is it's kind of like, you silly humans, you can't visualize a reality that you have no experience with yet. Yep. And so if what you're trying to do, you know, we've been talking about paradigm shift for many, many years um, and the spiritual community has definitely been talking about paradigm shift and moving into fifth dimensional reality. Um, and what I felt in what you were saying was it's right here. It's kind of like the Fey realm. It didn't go anywhere. Well, it shifted into a different dimension and that's why you don't experience it anymore or many don't experience it anymore. Uh, the fifth dimension reality you're trying to evolve towards is right here as well, but you can't see it because you can't even fathom what it looks like. Yeah, I think that's a really... But you can... I'm sorry, go ahead. But you can feel its frequency, and if you can start to tune your own like heartbeat almost uh, to the frequency of that reality, that will kind of bring you into it enough that your vision starts to clear. Uh, but be prepared. You won't understand what you see at first. Yes. I think that's really beautiful. I, it was a, I thought of like, a, like learning about what love is, you know, like, uh, or different emotions. Like uh, you, you, you maybe have kind of felt it, but then when you feel it, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Like you can't even, I guess maybe in you and I, neither you nor I've had this uh, this uh, experience, but not with an actual baby, but with things that we've given birth to. It's like you you don't know how much you can love something until you you do. Yeah, and I think you know. Um... I have often asked myself, so if children weren't uh, the life that I create, uh, what kind of creator am I? And to me, I often answer that question with my artistry is my creativity. That's what I'm creating yep. in. Um, and, um, and for me, I, when I start a creative work, well, you know, I do improv. So the whole point of improv, why I was so attracted to that particular art form is because you engage in the creative process without knowing the outcome, that you actually 
by engaging in the creative process and just trusting that process, uh, the story comes from that. It's not like you know the story you want to tell and so you just act it out. You're you're just throwing yourself blindly into creativity and a story does emerge. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, I think that's kind of what life, when you said that, what I thought of, well, that's kind of what life is in general, <laughs> it, uh, almost. Um, you know, we go out, we um, go to a concert. We don't know who we're going to meet, but we meet somebody and then we become friends. And then a year down the road, it's like, oh, we've been friends for a year. It's it's this um, uh, like opportunity to just experience. Cause I don't even want to, I don't even want to say like, Oh, it's taking chances about meeting people, but it's cause it's not that it's about, it's just very experiential. Like it's about that. I think it's about trust. I mean, I think you nailed it right at, at the top of our conversation. I think it's about trust. Can you walk in the world in a way that you trust that whatever mysteries, <laughs> I, you know, the truth is, is as much as we tend to be very goal uh, driven, there's a certain delusion. Uh, I do believe that we do manifest. I do believe that we do create. And I also believe that we are not the only ones doing that. So, you know, we're not in charge, which means even when you're setting goals, there's so many unknowns and so many mystical forces that uh, contribute to your creativity that uh, to think that all I need to do is set a goal and be really clear about that and and it's going to manifest. And if it doesn't, it's because of some failure on my part. Yeah. I think that. For me, that's kind of how I experienced a lot of the manifestation uh, teachings is that I would follow the program and when things didn't work out the way that it was kind of promised, uh, the response of those who were teaching me those things would be like, well, you must have fucked up somewhere. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you when you were saying that um, uh, just a, a second ago, I pictured like a, a hundred people having uh you know like uh what are those oh the things that you like the little plant you pick up and you blow the little seeds everywhere you know i just picture oh, yeah okay that's what i thought you mean dandelions? it's like it's like a yeah. hundred people blowing dandelions and so each of those dandelions has like a hundred seeds on it so you're blowing you know a thousand whatever a hundred thousand blah 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 ten thousand seeds into the wind and and it just felt like um that's what it felt like it just felt like everybody trying to manifest and it's all of these seeds on the wind um and you know only a fraction of them ever reach the ground and then are not eaten and are watered and have the right soil and grow that's such a beautiful metaphor um, because the other part is as the person blowing on the dandelion I might decide uh, okay I'm going to face this direction because this is where they would best be suited to take root but as soon as I blow on them the wind the wind acts upon them yeah and that's something that's out of my control, right? So I can be lending my intention and focus to something, but there is there are forces that I do not control that I need to learn how to work yeah. with. Yes. And sometimes the wing course corrects. So, you know, if, if my vision's limited, so if the if I'm blowing to the east and the wind all of a sudden as I blow picks up and blows everything to the west, perhaps it's because I was facing the wrong direction. Um I just that's a yes, brilliant. Um cuz I thought okay, so if I'm taking these my dandelion out to the great salt flats, which are flat and salty. Uh <laughs> And I blow them, <laughs> I have much less opportunity. It's it's much less likely that they're going to, um, you know, that I'm going to get a lot of them coming to fruition. But if I'm in a little, you know, meadow of beautiful soil and in the in the mountains, I might get a lot more. So it's a really um, 
Um, that was a really interesting journey with the dandelion. Yeah, it sure was. Uh, I think I want to alter our intention a little bit. What do you think if we pull our tools to ask that wisdom, wisdom of wind and dandelion, uh, what else it may have to offer? I like that. Let's do it. Okay. I like that too. Uh, it's funny that um, we are long-winded, and so <laughs> that'll be interesting to see. Yes, we are. <laughs> we certainly don't. Uh, we certainly both have the gift of gab, don't we? Um, I. The Blarney runs deep in us. <laughs> Does Blarney mean BS? Because I think that's what my dad would say. <laughs> uh i think it can but you know even a fool sometimes utters a wise word well, and <laughs> uh bullshit is manure that is very fertilizing yep yeah which deck are you using today uh again the uh tarot of the hidden realms so i know i just deck. have to ask because i love it I love it too, and uh, I do have multiple decks, and every now and again, uh, another one is the one that wants to uh, speak, so uh, it's not a bad question. Which which set of runes are you uh, using I'm today? using the Aspen, the Quake and Aspen ones uh, today. Um, uh, I have to, let me tell you this while you're shuffling. Uh, the other day, um, I was, um, in devotion or in meditation and, um, what I had asked for was, um, clarity about a relationship with the, with the deity that, um, that I wanted to learn from. And, um, I felt a little, uh, a little sluggish in getting any, response um for for a few days and then what happened was uh i was sitting in meditation and as often happens it comes in song and um all i the sudden i heard was um uh turn 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 um oh yes, yeah I such a beautiful one. song and so i i pulled myself out and listened to it a couple times and i was like okay so there is a season um for everything and um uh i don't know why that just popped into my head again but um you know for for uh whatever it was supposed to be there for there it is you do know where that song comes from no uh it's actually it's based on a scripture uh in ecclesiastes um, and so it's interesting that that should come up because the book of Ecclesiastes is uh, a very nihilistic perspective. You know, everything's meaningless. Um, and essentially, you know, the lyrics of the song come from uh, the place where the author, whoever's experiencing this nihilism is... <clears throat> kind of saying everything's meaningless there's a season for everything um and um so there's a lot of dichotomy you know there's a time for war there's a time for peace there's a time for joy there's a time for sadness it's it's kind of you know it's it's saying everything's meaningless because uh, oppositional things are always at play and at work um and I think it's very interesting that that song came about. I think that uh, was written and first came out like yeah, in the 60s. It was during that kind of, you know, spiritual revolution. Um, it was The 60s, I think, were very idealistic. They created a very beautiful dream. Uh, I think the reason it didn't manifest is because it was too dial uh, idealistic and wasn't grounded yeah. enough. Um. That's really interesting because when when I listened to the song, my it, I was like, okay, everything in its time, uh, 
And I hadn't thought about it in the in terms of um, <clears throat> excuse me, the, in terms of the opposition necessarily that uh, in the way that you're speaking about it. And um, there uh, there is an an interesting thing that connects to the tension between the opposites and the balance of that tension um, is interesting to me. And I'm not, I'm not really sure where that's going, but um, I think that that was uh, interesting. Well, I think the energy of the song is actually very different from the energy of its source material. Uh, You know, I read Ecclesiastes and if I bottom lined it, it's, Uh, kind of the message is everything is meaningless now in my mind uh that's more akin to more of kind of a buddhist perspective so i don't think it's meant to be very depressing although a lot of people experience it that way um it it, but the song uh to me there's such a hopeful energy about it that there's something very secure about being held in a larger context that has rhythm and cycles and seasons. And it is a bit of a mystery, um, but you can lean into it and trust it. And there's hope. So if a storm is coming, the clearing will come as well. Um, Which I, to me, the tone is very different than the source material. And that's even interesting for our conversation today. Okay. So what kind of, uh, what kind of spread or, uh, layout did you, do you, did you, or do you feel prompted? How many cards? Uh, well, I'll tell you as I was shuffling them, uh, so I don't know if I'm cheating (laughs) or (laughs) I'm just following my intuition. Uh, but as I was shuffling, uh, I remembered that there is a card in my deck of a lovely sunny fae uh, blowing on a dandelion. And I was like, well, that's the card for today. Um, and so I, instead of, you know, blindly picking a card, I actually searched for that card. So that might be cheating uh, or it might be that this is the card. That it's not cheating because I thought of um, that card. I'm like, you have one in your deck that looks just like that. Okay, well, if we were both thinking that, then the card was basically saying, you know which one <laughs> needs to be talked about. Stop trying yeah, to... Ser- yeah, seriously, yeah. because that's... Okay. A, bef- before you even... Before we even talked about it, when we were talking about the wind, I'm like, oh, the wind... Wait, you have a... I know you do. I'm pretty sure there's a card in that deck that looks like that. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So the card is uh, the Ten and the Major Arcana. It is called the Fortune Fairy. In a traditional deck, uh, we would usually see this as the wheel, um, which I think is also very synchronous with the song that you're talking about, is that there is a wheel of reality that shifts and changes um, that all we really need to do is try to tap into creating harmony between the frequency of that and ourselves. And I find that interesting given that, you know, part of what we've been talking about is uh, if we are trying to evolve into a reality that we have no experience with, and so we cannot envision it, uh, how do you trust and how do you tune in? Um, and I think tuning into the knowledge that there is something bigger at work, it moves rhythmically. And we, we actually are uh, designed in a way where uh, rhythm attracts us. Mm, mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know, if you're standing outside and you're hearing kind of a cacophony of sound, if there is uh, something that has that starts, you look for the rhythm in it. Um, and, or one of the sounds will like have a rhythm and, and it will, uh, it kind of emerges out of the background. It's something that you focus on. And I'm wondering if 
rhythm is the focus we need to align to that which we would like to create. Wow. Yeah, there's definitely joy on this little face face, a little mischief in uh, her eyes. Um, there's something about, yeah, I'm just going to blow these seeds and scatter them to the wind and something magical and mysterious will take them and put them exactly where they need to be. I don't need to be the one to choose that. I just need to be the force that sets them free. I really, um, I really love that. I think that, um, the, uh, that is exactly what I've been feeling today. Uh, well, not just today, but this morning, actually, before we started recording, um, I felt, I felt like a lot of the things that are happening in our world today, and I don't mean COVID, I don't mean any of that stuff, but <clears throat> the fact that we live in a society now where for the most part, um, it's not, uh, we, we don't have, I will say for the most part, we don't have segregation where things are, are a little bit more, um, or a lot more open. And those were, those were someone else's seeds that they blew into the wind, their, their wishes, their dreams, their hopes, their actions. Um, and I think that really, you you hit you hit on it with I'm going to offer this and blow this into the wind and where it goes is where and allowing the bigger picture to evolve uh, with trusting that what our actions actions and desires uh, are are going to be put to use uh, to help create something that we don't even know is coming. Um, I, the runes that I cast, uh, <clears throat> pretty much <laughs> the one that I really look at anytime we're doing stuff with this, uh, it reminds me of the web. So it, it's, I love getting that one. Um, but, it, uh, the other one that came face up was Kalk and, uh, that <clears throat> really speaks to what is, you know, our, each of our individual fulfillment, what is our, each of our individual uh, holy grail and and really tapping into what it is that we want to do what it is that we feel passionate about what it is that makes us feel alive and those are the things that we uh you know those are the seeds that we blow off of our dandelion throughout our life and having those things and and acting from a uh, that place that is also connected to the web right those are the two that came up uh actually allows for us to be part of the whole and be part of the creation of the whole moving into the future without having an idea of what that looks like. Yeah, uh, I, I think what you're talking about is uh, we need the artists right yeah. now. We need those who... Uh, uh, let me read to you. Uh, here's my new okay. favorite movie quote. Yes. You ready? It says, people like you must create. That is what you were brought into this world to do, Bernadette. If you don't, and the character shrugs, you become a menace to society. Ooh. Yeah, I love it. It's from a movie I just found on Hulu called Where'd You Go, Bernadette? And uh, she's a fictional character, but um, she basically is this brilliant creative architect who really uh, the things that she builds are works of art. And the way that she does it is she goes to the space of, you know, if somebody is asking her to build the building, she's going to the physical environment, asking what the land needs, what wants to be there. 
she talks to uh, the people who are going to be inhabiting the building to see, you know, how do you work? How, how can I make a place that's most functional for what you want it for? Um, and then designs these beautiful buildings. And, uh, you know, I don't want to give away too much of the movie, but, uh, you know, life happens in a way that she kind of steps away from that creative process. And her life pretty much goes to shit. It's kind of like she's cursed that no matter what she touches, uh, falls apart and people get hurt. And <laughs> I mean, it's just, uh, she's a menace. She becomes a menace. Um, and, uh, and the environment around her does not recognize that, um, that because she is no longer creating is the reason she's a menace. It's actually a mentor has to revisit her and is able to reflect that back to her and put her back on her kind of creative path. Um, and so it really got me thinking for those who are creative people are very artistic when they don't have their artistry, uh, when somehow they're not feeding that. For me, creativity is an energy that moves through me. And when I have a project, there's something that I can channel that energy into. But when I don't have a project, it's not like that energy stops. It just, it channels in other ways that usually does make my life fairly chaotic and miserable. <laughs> yes. I, I get that. Huh. I'm going to have to look for that movie. And so, I, I, and the thing is, is just, be, you know, having a project would sound like I have a goal. Well, not necessarily. I mean, my project can be, hey, I, I want to tell a story. Um, and, um, you know, if I have a storytelling event to do, uh, I don't, I don't pick the story. I try to let the story pick me. So, you know, I may know, okay, this is event is coming up. I have this much time and I know I want to tell a story. I go into journey and I ask, what is the story that wants to be told at this time and place? Wow. Um, how... Oh, let me, uh, let me ask you this. What, what rhythm, I'm going to go back to rhythm for a minute. Well, I'm not, not back to, but we're bringing it in. Yep. So when you go into, you know, journey yes. with that, what is the rhythm that, uh, that you find? What, how did you find your rhythm that gets you there? What is that rhythm? Well, uh, yeah, I, uh, first of all, uh, I will say I don't think my focus has been there, so I'm not sure that I have a lot that I could say about that. The only thing I can say is the last really big creative project that I did before uh, the shelter-in-place orders happened was, uh, was an improvised play that I conceived of and directed and had in a festival, and its name was Syncopation. And that play came about, um, or at least the story that inspired the improvisers to play off of the story, that, that came from a rhythm. It came from a sound. Uh, it came from me driving home from having seen a lot of creative work that day, and this sound just would not leave my head. Um, and... I was driving, so I was like, well, I, I recognize inspiration when it comes, but I'm on the road, so I hope it sticks around till I get home. And luckily, when I got home, it stuck around, and I just, uh, I didn't drum because what was calling me was a rhythm, so I didn't want to alter that with the drum. I just closed my eyes and let the sound come. And, uh, and it was just this ting, 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 ting. Ting, ting, ting. And as I just listened to it, eventually one of the characters' voices started speaking and telling me the story of that sound. It was a good show, by the way. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, I had, 
I had really amazing improvisers who they heard the weirdness of my story and how that came and somehow that inspired their creativity and they were really phenomenal. You know, I think that's, I think that's really what I'm, that's the little wave or um, wind storm that I'm on right now, the wind gust, but you're, you were inspired and you did you and that inspired them to, you know, the artist in them to, to participate. And I really think that that's, um, that's one thing that this is, that is so on the forefront of, of everything that's happening for me right now is just that inspiration and acting in acting on inspiration. Well, and I think finding collaborators who you respect their artistry and their inspiration, uh, because, you know, I was the director of that piece, but it was the first time I ever did anything like that. And some of my actors, uh, I think all of my actors actually, uh, were far more experienced in theater and improv than I am. And, uh, you know, uh, problems would come up in terms of, okay, what is the structure we need to support this creativity? And I think because I was a brand new director and, and fairly inexperienced, it really became a collaborative process. Uh, the actors I was working with would often offer uh, solutions that would have been more director focus. Um, and so it really was a collaborative process uh, in the creating of the structure that, that was needed in order to allow their inspiration and creativity to really thrive. And I think that to me, that's, uh, that I think is very resonant with what we're talking about, about the near future and how do you tap into a reality that you haven't experienced yet. Um, you know, if we're stepping into a reality we haven't experienced yet, it would be good to uh, find connection with others so that as we encounter something novel, we're communicating with each other or different perspectives of that. I love that you just said that because um, to the two other runes that were face down in, in, in my casting uh, nailed that very appropriately that those that sentiment uh, um ansu's and soilo ansu's is you know uh ansu's is traditionally um you know kind of clearing um but it's also very much about using your breath to create and it's about communication um and um then soilo with enlightenment um it's, I just, it, those two, when you were talking, I just like, oh, okay, that makes complete sense because anytime you're, uh, it's about also seeing what's illuminated, uh, seeing this new circumstance, communicating it, and then and being able to move forward together um, with the commonality of the fulfillment, but it's not, it's not a, it's not a static end goal. So do you want to hear something really trivial? <laughs> you know, I always love that. <laughs> uh, here's, here's my little trippy communication for you today. Uh, so you're saying, oh, yeah, there's these other runes and you, uh, Anzus and Soilo. And as soon as you said those two words, right outside my window here, my neighbor has uh, two kind of yeah. pipe stove chimneys. Um and as you said, uh, Anzus and Soilo, a crow and a bluebird landed on those chimneys like simultaneously and stood there as you were talking about those two different uh, runes and the energies that they bring. Um, and, and so I think it's fat. And then when you were done, they flew away. Um, I'm saying that 
probably because this might be my own experience today, or it might be the message that uh, I have to offer. The earth is really talking to me loudly today. I mean, and at the moment with birds. So the woodpecker shows up this morning and, and is tuning me to focus on rhythm. And you're talking about these two runes and crow and uh, blue jay show up. I, I will say to you that um, we were just talking the other day, actually yesterday, about how many more birds there are and how we're experiencing them in a, yeah. in a very different way around the house and around the property um this at uh, this year and how uh how interesting they are um uh and joyful and you know fighting over the bird feeder and what you know whatever else um enjoying the bath water of the the fountain and um i think uh that <sighs> oh also this is the other thing i was going to bring up um so last night when we did um our facebook live um okay before i finish that uh let me say this uh, i was doing a grounding centering shielding exercise for myself the other day and it just so happened that as i brought earth energy up and surrounded myself um the colors that i saw in my third eye my mind's eye uh internally were blue and green so I hadn't put this together until just now. Now, last night, after the Facebook Live, Teresa and I stayed on um, and we're just chatting. And all of a sudden, there was a green, the screen went green above your head. And I took a picture and I sent it to you. <laughs> and so now you're talking about the earth really speaking to you. It's funny that the green was up above you um, and it happened twice. Yeah. So there is absolutely um there's absolutely a stronger it was like uh maybe like i don't i think our volume got turned down so that we could hear the volume which is at the same level of nature um and you know what what everything we're going yeah. through right now has caused that kind of turn down in our in our volume which is a, allowing us to hear and experience those things from the earth uh even bigger and um there's something uh, really interesting about the concept that in Asgard and um, Northern traditions, cosmology, that's the, the world of the high gods or the sky gods. And um, the, uh, I read just the other day and it didn't even dawn. It is on a can very different out? level. Ken, can you cut out right there? So I heard uh, you uh, you were talking about Asgard, and okay. you said it didn't um, even occur to me, and then you cut it out. It didn't even occur to me that um, it would be full of birds, um, and it is. And so now every time uh, I go outside and I see all of these birds surrounding our property... Um, I just, it just brings up this mm, very much, I need to listen feeling like it's not, it's not about anything else, but I do need to listen. And there are a lot of commute. There's a lot of communication around and it's not that it's communication for me or, or direction or, you know, it's, it's not even about a goal it's just about there's so much happening around and so many beautiful melodies to listen to that can then turn around and inspire us to do other things if we just listen i it's striking me right now that we've had several episodes where i think listening has been uh, a major theme you know when we had moon on here uh, that was a major thing. I mean, we were doing a reading for Gaia. Um, and uh, I remember kind of the dominant theme was, uh, please listen to the earth. Um, 
we also there was that episode where i was bringing up that movie that i was watching about the guy who was so tuned into sounds that he literally could go to different areas of new york city and uh would do research to see what is the harmonic chord of all the sounds in this area of the city um so i i think it's interesting that um that's actually been a thread that has been in uh, probably uh, all of our last um, three episodes. I will, uh, yes. And I will say to you that um, the last couple times I've sat at my devotional altar, <laughs> um, there uh, I have a mirror on it and I look through a flame. Uh, I try to do it at night when it's dark. Um, the last few times I've done it, um, my eyes um completely like i like skin over <laughs> or turn black and it's not uh-huh. it yeah and so i'm sitting there in this in this moment of seeing but not seeing and and um it really is telling me that i have to have a focus i'm getting it's not telling me one of the things i'm thinking about is that i really need to have a focus on um the sound and even the sound of the flame which is i don't know where that came from but the sound of the flame is an interesting uh meditation that i might be taking i don't know why but it just came up yeah well you know when we listen to things uh i'm always fascinated by musicians (laughs) i'm fascinated by them because they they just process differently than I do. Um, and sound means something more to them than I think it means to me. Um, I, but I will also say that there is nothing like music to shift my consciousness or to shift my mood. Um, there are times if I'm feeling depressed and I'm having a hard time knowing how to express that, I'll actually put on really sad music. There's something comforting to me. It's not like I'm diving into a pity party. It's like I'm looking for that resonance to be able to um, evoke from me this energy and and, uh, feel uh, comforted almost. Um, There are other times when uh, I will use music in order to make an adjustment to my energy. so I think I think sound is is and of course people do sound healings. Uh, you know, there's a lot of chanting and toning and some meditation practices. Um, I think that there might be something too when you are in a dark place. Stop looking for a vision. Close your Absolutely. eyes and open your ears. And I think too, you we could even go a little uh further with that and uh earlier oh god here we go um baby uh i thought about this earlier and i i (laughs) uh it passed on and now it's back but the the rhythm of our breath and the rhythm of um the cycles of the earth on which we live are rhythms that Um, We don't necessarily tune into, but we can tune into um, with uh, an awareness of our, our body as well. So uh, interacting with rhythm in that way. um, I love dancing. I think that actually is a, I don't do it in public because that would be, I I would probably be arrested, but um, it's not pretty, Uh, but (laughs) it's just not. Um, you've seen that one Seinfeld episode, right? With Elaine, like. I, it's so funny yep. you're saying yeah, that. Yeah, I knew it. Elaine I knew you were. Uh, yes. um, <laughs> so, um, but the rhythm, so, uh, you know, a lot of times when people are teaching meditation or learning about meditation, it's, you know, you breathe in for four, you hold for four, you exhale for four, you hold for four. And, um, that can help me control my breath, but my actual natural rhythm of breathing is not that. So there's something about me listening to that right. 
I'm, you know, I try that, but then usually what happens is I'll slip into my own natural, which I think is probably the goal of doing it that way. But um, there is something about that natural rhythm of breath um, that is centering and um, the rhythm of, you know, we talk about the wheel all the time, but the rhythm of living on the wheel as well and moving into that um, is, is another way of, of attuning to a rhythm um, that is listening with our, with uh, listening to the vibration maybe, or uh, interpreting the vibration with a different part of our body than our eardrum. How about Ooh. allowing the vibration to tune? Yes. I mean, I think that's, you know, we chose web of resonance intentionally uh, but I don't know that we've ever really uh, fully realized why that was the name that was so important. Like we had an idea about it. Uh, but part of what I'm feeling right now is, you know, when I listen to something, um, unless it really aggravates me, if some, if a sound aggravates me, I tend to move away from it. Um, so there's a judgment that happens immediately. Yes, I like this. No, I don't. I'm leaving. Um, it's a lot clearer than in a lot of other ways of engaging. Um, there are some times where I will stay with something that doesn't feel good because I think I should. Uh, that, uh, that rarely happens to me with music or sound. Um, and that when I find something that I want to focus on and that I enjoy, it, it, it's almost like it is such a strong energy, it tunes me to it. I don't actually have to yes. do anything, but sit yeah, I think that's brilliant. I, I love that. Thank you. Yes. If we allow it to tune us. Which is often to me, the message of the dark time of the year is that there is nothing for you to do, but surrender. There is nothing for you to do, but open and trust whatever your dark road this year looks like um, or feels like or whatever it's going to be. Um, and we started this talking about how do we trust in the dark? And maybe it's that we sit in the stillness and listen and allow whatever sound we hear that engages us to tune us. Yes. To tune us to it. It's funny because I think most of the time we think that the things around us are what's creating discord. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if we have a more holistic view of things, uh, it could be that we are the ones in creating the discord. Yeah. And I think we, I think that I actually think the earth sings like, you know, that guy talking about, uh, you know, what is the harmonic yeah. of New York, New York city and the different neighborhoods. I like to think I, you know, I like to imagine, okay. And what if humans weren't here creating so much noise pollution? What, uh, you know, what chord does the earth sing in? Um, I was just thinking today, I was standing outside letting, uh, grounding into the wind, basically. Um, and it took me to a, there's a place um, up above my house, up on top of the mountain, where the wind is constant because of the shape of the mountain. And standing on the edge of it, it's almost, almost feels like you could like fall forward and be held by the wind. And well, there I... is a yep. rhythm or melody that happens there that does carry me whatever that means yeah yeah well sound moves through the air mm. um I, when i was standing outside today um i was also trying to allow the wind to blow through me and that was um, yeah a little easier than I actually thought it was going to be. It was, and it was a, a really beautiful feeling. Um, yeah, there were like I just didn't resist, and I, I didn't resist, and I allowed, and just let it go, and it was really nice. 
What did it feel like? It felt... It felt like... Um, okay, so if you're... Because I am a foodie. Um, if, you're look, if you're looking at a cheese grater, right? Um, only, you know, you push the cheese along it and it comes out the other side. It almost felt like the wind was doing that to me. Yeah. But it was also... Um, almost like pulling the solidness off of me and, and allowing it to go through those holes yes. and carrying it away. It was, um, and at first yes. I, at first I thought, Oh, like, uh, I don't, should it be taking that part of me? But then I was like, it, it, it <laughs> my body. Knows. Well, yeah, exactly. Yes. It just allow it to wisdom. take those pieces. And so I just, it was almost like a watercolor. I'm sure looking behind me of, things pulling off of the back of me into the wind. Um, it felt quite good. So you, so you want to know what I heard in that and what my empathy was I was engaged in your story. What it gave to me is that the wind was reminding you, you're not as solid as you think. And uh, to me, what I kept seeing was, you know, when, uh, when we go to the quantum level of things, our bodies mimic what we experience uh, the cosmos to be like. There's actually more space than there is um, uh, yeah. things yes. with mass. Does that make sense? And, and when you go to the quantum level, the, the molecules of our body mimic that. There's actually more space between the molecules of our body than there are molecules. And so things like walking through walls, theoretically, shouldn't be a problem <laughs> if we're aware that there's more space in the wall than there is solid mass, just like there's more space in my body. Than now you're just talking mass. crazy. I like it. <laughs> now I did. I just went off the deep end. I like it. <laughs> uh, so sorry, I was just all of a sudden thinking about bending spoons. Oh, yeah. I th I think there's something related to sound with that too, is that, you know, when you see yourself as solid mass, you're kind of dense and hard to retune. But if we're retuning to something new and it's something that we can't see, so it's not something that we can put our intention on and grasp and be clear and focused about. Uh, but what we need to do is uh, have that desire and, and, and feel the space, uh, and sound will help create the resonance. Uh, maybe there's something to remembering that we are also spacious beings that help us not yeah. resist the tuning. Yes. Yeah. Well, this has been fascinating, Ken. I have a lot of journeys that I think are going to be inspired this week. Um, so I hope that is true for those of you who are listening and that, uh, we didn't do, go too far into <laughs> um, crazy town. <laughs> uh, you know, going into crazy town is fine, but there's not a map to get in and out of. So, uh, um, um, I think, uh, yeah, I've had a great time. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, as always, I appreciate your sight and your insight and, um, for those of you listening, if you, uh, don't forget, if you have questions or comments, uh, you can always send them to us via Anchor, Facebook, um, or our email, uh, webofresonancepod at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, uh, thank you for our first uh, brilliant year of, of Web of Resonance. And thank you guys for listening. And Teresa, thank you for um, collaborating on this with me. Yeah, thank you, Ken. Have a good week, everyone. Have a good week.